netcasting from Chicago, Los Angeles, and Sydney. You're listening to this week's FX Podcast from fxguide.com. This podcast is brought to you by the new Fast Forward course, Introduction to Digital Color Theory, over at fxphd.com. Download all 10 classes immediately for this comprehensive introduction to capture and display color science. Thanks for joining us for this FX podcast. The FX podcast is where we talk one-on-one with top visual effects artists doing cutting-edge work. We dig deep on the technical side, advance the craft of visual effects, and pay respect to the hardworking people creating amazing work. Be sure to check out all of our other podcasts at fxguide.com podcasts. So our podcast today is a very interesting discussion that crosses all sorts of lines, technical, philosophical, political. I should explain that by political, I mean... We're in very interesting times when the discussion after the last couple Oscar awards in some circles has been, should cinematography for Life of Pi and Gravity be a strictly cinematography award considering the tremendous contribution of visual effects artists? Now, we're not going to discuss that today, but Mike Seymour is going to head into a discussion similar to that with Juan Luis Sanchez with a discussion about digital costumes. He's been very involved in some heavy-hitting films doing digital costuming, including Gravity, Pirates, Star Wars... Harry Potter at companies like Rhythm and Hughes, DD, ILM, and Framestore. So this podcast is about cloth sims, but we're also looking at the question of how far are we from having a costume award go to a digital costume. Before we get into our podcast today, just a quick note that there's been a lot of really great stories over at FX Guide. If you haven't dropped by in a while, I'd really suggest going over there and poking around. Uh, make sure you check out while you're there. On the right-hand side, we have a link to what we call the production blog, which is part of FX PhD which, as I record this, is a story about real-time Keen. Poke around there, you'll see profiles of FXPHD professors and a really interesting story about uh, some stuff that was going on inside the FXPHD forums not too long ago. Also, John Montgomery and I were at the Oscars Visual Effects Rally this year, and we were feeding back images and audio interviews to Mike in Sydney, who was posting them as things came in. So there's a couple stories about that. So anyway, just head over there to fxguide.com, check that out, or fxphd.com. So let's get into our podcast now today. This is Mike Seymour speaking with Juan Luis Sanchez. Hi, and uh, welcome to the show. How, uh, how are you? It's uh, what, uh, evening over there in London? Yeah, it's getting into the later part of the evening in London. Yep, uh, after another day. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much for uh, agreeing to talk to us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Thanks a lot. When you go to cocktail parties and you're standing around uh, having hors d'oeuvres and uh, a uh, <laughs> small uh, margarita, what, what do you describe your role as these days? These days, I'm actually finding um, that, yeah, the talking about uh, my role as a tailor seems to be the one that gets people's attention um, and being like a digital tailor, a digital costumer, digital sort of hair, makeup, wardrobe person seems to be the thing that I feel most sort of in tune with and that sort of gets people kind of interested. <laughs> Because uh, obviously this discussion that you and I are having uh, resulted from some comments that I'd made earlier about this uh, appreciation of the work of uh, people that are doing cloth simulation and how I had my eyes opened at an earlier Pixar presentation where uh, the guys that were doing the cloth sims on, on and up had gone into great detail about the tailoring. And it struck me that their skill base, their, uh, their knowledge of uh, how fabrics would look as well as how they would hang everything about what they were talking about to me smelt looked and sounded like the job of someone in costume design and yet uh of course most people were like approaching them yeah. as if they were cloth sims people and i'm wondering is that a change that you've seen elsewhere or is that just me 
No, I completely. I mean, that's exactly the reason why I responded so strongly to it and got in touch with you is exactly because it's something I've, you know, we've been pushing very hard. Um, you know, we pushed quite hard, and, and around the time that um, I started Gravity, um, you know, I was I was not at Framestore at the time. I came to Gravity to Framestore for Gravity, and at the time I was talking to other people, and they were all sort of the words on the street were all about you know new tools, new ideas, and ways of looking at digital cloth that were more sort of um, you know, based on patterns and tailors and uh, tailoring and and sewing patterns and and that sort of you know that sort of mentality and thinking. But you know, so there was definitely that that you know the, that thinking has been has been uh, out there now. Um, and as as we got into it, and I've talked to other people, they're all sort of you know everybody I've talked to is 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 trying to grab it from this angle. Um, which is really, I mean, it's very exciting. I mean, I remember when I when I started it, uh, this in, in digital cloth um, at ILM, um, almost my first conversation that I had, and I didn't know anything about it at the time. They just said, "Do you want to do digital cloth?" And I said, "I don't know how to do that." And they said, "It's okay. We don't know a whole lot more either. We've just got you know some cool tools and a couple of people that know you know how to do it. And now we need to do all these digi doubles and all this other exciting stuff for episode two. And let's see what we can do." And and one of the first conversations I had with with James Tooley, he was talking about, well, you know, the right way to do this is to you know is to actually have a resolution that that's akin to to what the yarn is and 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 the weave and we really should be laying our clothes out in patterns and, and stitching them together. And at the time, it just sort of blew my mind. But that sort of early on sort of set set the template and the thinking for that, even though, you know, it took, it's taken, you know, a good 10 years before we can really start to, I think, even think about approaching our, our cloth design that way. Yeah, I mean, I tell the story of back in the day when cloth sims first happened um, of, you know, being approached on a job with some flags and the flags were all fluttering in a way that the client didn't like. And to cut a long story short, they did a huge sim and ended up reproducing exactly the way the flags flew that the client didn't like because, of course, it was a cloth sim and it simulated yeah. what, what flags would do under those conditions, which is exactly right. what the client didn't want. But it, it, it brings into sharp relief this idea that if the, if the technology is good enough, then the fabric sims should be behaving like fabric to to many uh, sort of uh, points of view. And if they are behaving like fabric, then surely, you know, generations of respected costume design becomes a really valid uh, sort of vein of knowledge to mine. Oh, I, I completely agree. And, and you know, um, one of the great things about, you know, and again, even though we weren't able to, to make as much use of it as I would have liked on, on, episode, on the Star Wars prequels, but we had, you know, there at ILM, we had the wardrobe person there who I got to know, and I said, well, come into our dailies, come in, you know, just even though obviously our dailies were all concerned about, you know, pretty technical issues and, and whatever, I was like, just come in and see what we're doing. Like, you know, I, I just, I would love to sort of cross these worlds and, and you know, in, in Soho, where where, um, where Frame Store is, you know, we're right next to, you know, a whole bunch of, um uh, the fashion uh, schools and everything, and I've been, you know, and 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 I've been and I've been walking past these, you know, warehouses as well. You can see people sewing stuff, and there's clothes horses and everything. And I just keep wanting to sort of bring them into our dailies and have them sort of see, talk to us about what they see, and and because it is some one of those things that that is kind of hard to, you know, there is I, I can see the places where where we all intersect, but it, right now it it's not we haven't managed to quite cross that line i think yet i mean i think that um, for me the holy grail will be when we start seeing people nominated in the co costume category of the oscars right. that are working as uh digital uh 
you know, costume designers as opposed to just uh, with fabric. And and to be just to be fair about this, right? I, you know, one might say, oh, well, you're not dealing with real cloth. But if I'm doing costume design, if I'm actually, you know, on a computer or on a piece of paper drawing up the costumes, it's mm. I, I could be awarded the Oscar having never actually cut physical cloth myself because, of course, mm-hmm. there's huge teams that work on costume design. So mm-hmm. I wonder uh, how we're looking at the intersection of your tools and the traditional tools because I do know that, uh, especially out of Korea, there's been some great cloth yep. simulation tools, but for the fabric industry. Is there a sort of a – are those two technologies getting closer together? Um, they are, and, and that particular tool, I think you're talking about some Marvelous Designer maybe yep. is the one that – yep. So – so, you know, I mean, that, that is the one that sort of that rolls off the tongue that everybody, you know, has been using. And we, we used it um, a lot on Gravity. I became, you know, very familiar with it. And um, uh, we used it to build a lot of our uh, cloth pieces as we were, because there was just such a need for, for verisimilitude and, and re, you know, realism that we just could get out of just modeling it or, you know, doing you know, a sim from a cylinder or some other form of, um, you know, it just wasn't possible. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's, to me, that, that you know, marvelous designer uh, and, you know, stuff like that, to me, point, points the way forward. Um, I, think, I think we've got a, a ways to go in that direction because, you know, because Clossim isn't just, you know, uh, you know marvelous designer is, is, I think, a really, you know, interesting, fantastic, you know, creative tool, but at least as we were using on gravity, it sort of assumed that, you know, every piece of fabric that you were going to play with was a, was built off panels of cloth. And here we are with a spacesuit that's got, you know, rigid pieces and multiple layers of, you know, things that are interacting and they've got attached to each other and uh, at rigid points and, and soft points. And, you know, and so it was one of those things that it, it sort of, you know, at some point you just had to go, well, well, we, we're just not quite there yet with this, but, but, um, and so, you know, and I, and I think also integrating into, you know, an overall workflow where, especially in CG, you know, we, we tailor stuff, but then we sculpt it, you know, there's a lot of art direction and design that needs to go into every garment that we make and, and having the ability to, to, to do that, you know, we just, there isn't a single place that, you know, so there, there isn't a tool yet that sort of incorporates all of those things. So inevitably, what you end up doing is something of a hybrid kind of, well, we'll start here and, you know, we'll go there and, you know, but I feel like we're on the cusp of something. I really do. You know, I look at all the papers that are being written about, you know, modeling internal friction in cloth and, you know, modeling, you know, fabric, um, yarn, you know, uh, cloth engines built on, you know, modeling the yarn and all this kind of stuff. And I see people are really sort of pushing these ideas forward and to me, that's, you know, it's as exciting as, you know, when, you know, real path tracing became a, mm. a possibility for lighting. I feel like we're on the cusp of a similar kind of, you know, push forward. And it isn't just the film industry because uh, Marvelous Design has been used on things like uh, Madden EA used it, uh, Ubisoft used it with Assassin's Creed. Of course, Weather, I think, has used it on, uh, mm-hmm. on Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So. So that is a that's a really interesting kind of uh, thing. But let's go back if we can and discuss some of the uh, characters or or individuals, as it were, in the films that you have done because we've sort of jumped yeah. around a little bit. Um, Absolutely. And uh, if I can, I'll start with uh, Yoda and uh, General Grievous. Um, sure. When you were working at those sort of levels and doing those uh, sort of Anakin Obi Wan uh, doubles, um, were the tools? Uh, in-house were they you know, what were you using because you you did great work back then especially on uh, Yoda and his uh, cloak 
Thanks. Yeah, it was um, it was all all the cloth simulation itself was done in caricature, which is or carry as it was um, as it was sort of uh, colloquially called inside ILM. Um, so it was an in-house solver, um, and um, and then eventually, you know, it became uh, Xeno and Fizzbam and all that stuff for sort of Pirates Two uh, going forward. Um, but yeah, for, for at least episodes two, three, um, we were in carry and, um, uh, the rigging was done in, in Maya and animation was done in Maya for those, at least episode three. I'm trying to think when, about episode two at this point, I know we're in soft image, uh, early on in there. I'm just trying to, gosh, uh, remembering good old days, soft image now <laughs> <laughs> thinking about that one. Um, no, but, um, yeah, and and we were doing a lot of um, what uh, what we sort of called internally the the Kenny pose, which was sort of with these all these robes, which these cloaks. And so Kenny from South Park has this sort of robe with a big sort of flat, you know, rounded hood. So that's kind of how all our characters would start in this sort of very flat, with the flat sleeves and the flat cloaks and the flat hoods, and then everything would kind of settle out from there. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, they were they were really. I mean, the cool thing going from episode two to episode three was that you know, episode two we were just sort of learning the tools. We were sort of trying to figure out how do we layer these how do we layer these costumes? How do we run? You know, do we run you know inside out? Do we run outside in? You know, what what are the what are the techniques and tools that we need to develop? So we built up a whole team of people um, to to do that. And then episode three, the cool thing was now. You know, because at that time it was, you know, Digital Yoda, you know, was a, was was a huge leap forward, and and as was, you know, all the digi doubles, and you know, we were all watching what was coming out of Weta and Gollum at the time, and you know, everybody was kind of, you know, it was a little feeling of like, okay, what are they doing? Can we do it better? What are they, you know? And then episode three, the cool thing was that we had the team, we had the tools, and 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 George was comfortable with what we were doing, and you know, Rob, who's leading the animation, and so all the characters could feel like they were they were in their cloth. So Grievous is always like, you know, he, you'll notice between episode two and episode three that there's a lot more interaction with the clothing. The characters really feel like they're, you know, you start to start to think about less about the technical stuff and more about you know, why do these characters wear these clothes and, and how do their, you know, how does their interaction with their clothes tell you something about their characters, their state of mind, their, you know, the, this, this shot, this performance, this moment. And that was, that was really the exciting thing is to be able to sort of actually go, okay, it's not just, you know, a cloth sim on a character. It's, it's telling, it's telling something about this character in, in a way I mean, that's sort of secondary. For me, there, there is no stronger example of that than Yoda going for the lightsaber with that cape. It was an integral part of a character being informed that wardrobe was, you know, they say, an actor will often say that they, they know the character once they get the wardrobe on and it informs yeah. the character. But that felt to me like it was as strong a statement as any piece of dialogue. Yeah, I mean, that was one of those shots I saw. And, and you know, I mean, it was a big team. But it was the minute I saw that shot, I said to James, who was Tuli, who was leading the team at the time, I said, I said, please, please let me do that shot. <laughs> and he did, which was a real, that was a real, was one of the ones that I just went, yes. <laughs> but it was, I mean, but even just having him, you know, you know, like we hadn't until that point had a sim where, you know, the character had gone and like okay i'm going to touch my clothes and i'm going to do something with it and it's going to react and it's going to you know and you're suddenly we were scratching our heads you know going well 
we haven't really done this before. <laughs> how are we going to how are we going to do this? Uh, what do we do? And so it was exciting. It was a very exciting process of of sort of discovery of like, okay, I guess we'll do it. This we'll start here, and then we'll sim this, and then we'll hand it back to the animator. And you, you know, and and that was that was um, that was a real thrill. I have to say that was very exciting. So around this time that you're at ILM, you also did uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and I think after yep. what 2005 on on episode three, you did one more mm-hmm. Pirates. I think is that right? Um, I did, although I was I did some creature stuff, but I actually moved. I had actually moved. A, I was starting to. I did a, a little kind of foray away from creature effects for for a little while. So I was just trying to get into doing more like lighting and and um, rendering and that sort of thing. You, you worked so, on Dobby yeah. though, didn't you? You mentioned. Uh, I did, yeah, I did, and that was actually Dobby was a really cool one because that was the first time that we really did um, digital tailoring, as it were. Like, was the first sort of real kind of okay, how do we make this pillowcase? You know, pillowcase single surface, you know, tied at a couple different sides. So okay, let's let's you know let's start rather than having a modeler come in and model this thing on his body and and sort of scrunch it up or try or, or have something that was sort of half there, halfway there. We actually started from you know from a single mesh of flat cloth, and we spent you know a good I don't know almost two months actually just sort of figuring out okay let's sim this let's let's pinch these these edges together what happens how do we you know essentially it was just doing that that tailoring job very crudely it was it was difficult but it really again it was very exciting to be able to say okay you know here is a a piece of clothing that you know fits on the character that has all these you know nicely nice dynamic wrinkles that I know is also in a dynamically stable state that once I start the sim, he's not suddenly going to relax into another place because all of the, you know, the mesh is sort of configured strangely or it hasn't reached a sort of a zero energy point, you know. And so that was, um, that was actually fun. And again, because his, his, you know, his pillowcase, you know, you don't think about it and, you know, but the pillowcase is such a, you know, it's integral to, to who Dobby is as a character. You know, oh, it's and, incredibly, and, uh, yeah. I mean, the whole idea of his relationship with cloth is a huge plot point. Right, right, exactly. And so that was, and that was, so then again, you know, to be able to sort of have a part of that, that was exciting. I mean, the first time we did it, I mean, one of the first shots we were doing was him jumping on the, jumping on the bed as, as, as Harry, you know, walks into the bedroom. And, you know, we hadn't really, you know, figured, well, let's, you know, nobody had really described it very well that, well, his, you know, the pillowcase was open. So as he was jumping up and down, his his little ass would would fall out of the, uh, the bottom of the pillowcase, you know. And so like, well, I guess we have to tie it with around the, you know, around his leg somehow. <laughs> so you know, we came up with some way to sort of tie it so that it, you know, with these two little strands and things like that. And that, you know, all these little discoveries as you go along the way. It was, it was, um, it was, uh, yeah. That was that was sort of the first time that I really started thinking, okay tailoring dynamic tailoring okay now you know now where do we go from there yeah now your background you you actually have a solid sort of science background don't you like that fed a lot and informed a lot of this creative stuff it's not like you've come to this from a background of having once worked in a in a sort of a london uh, <laughs> savile row tailor shop no not at all and i kind of you know I, I wish i you know especially these days i kind of wish i could take a sabbatical and go into one of those and um sort of learn you know i've been um but yes no so to answer your question no i, I came from i did physics um with space science funnily enough um for gravity which i i kind of try to keep quiet about because it's all quite a while ago now <laughs> um but uh, no, i did physics of space science and then uh, a master's in computer science but um you know, uh, everybody I know in this industry has, you know, they're doing one thing, but they're sort of, you know, they're sitting in class drawing or they're 
dreaming of something else. I was always I was acting on the side and and you know writing and all that you know those other sort of things. And suddenly you find that there's this amazing place in the world where you can actually kind of do a little bit of both and you can exercise both muscles in, in the same time. But yes, the clothing stuff has kind of come out of you know come out of the it sort of happened out of the blue. You know you sort of find well I. I I like it. Are you, you know, you're applying these scientific principles, and and you know, it, it's still, you know, it's still a very technical field, um, but yet, you know, you're you're increasingly sort of looking at things in in the real world and bringing in, you know, other other ideas, and 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 it's so exciting to learn about those. And I, you know, I was actually trying on on gravity early on, you know, I was I was looking around at some of those local fashion schools and seeing, you know, some of them were running evening courses in in pattern, you know, pattern design and pattern making and all this stuff and I was trying to see if I could get you know get the whole team to go on an evening course for a few weeks of of you know of that but you know it's one of those things we just we couldn't make it make it work but you know that again that's that's to me is um that was just um that was uh you know I th- I, I just find that really interesting yeah no well uh, I, I'm gonna skip because obviously you're not just focus on your career, but we're going to skip a bunch of great work you did away from cloth. But if I can just yeah. come, return to, so I don't want to imply that you didn't do anything between the two periods <laughs> we've been talking around. But um, but uh, you know you you did do uh, so, as you said some other lighting stuff. But if we can just swing around now to gravity, sure. um, because gravity is a sensational piece of um, uh, technical work. But there is um, a need to be much more grounded in I don't even know you're doing anything here, Land. Because uh, obviously on Dobby, and with the best will in the world, I, I didn't actually believe there were house elves. And so that yeah. gave you a certain license to get away with some stuff. Uh, but in Gravity, this is now, um, I, I can sort of painstakingly real in the sense that we have to believe the, the materials. And yet I'm not actually that familiar with, uh, with the materials that the suits are made of. What were some of the challenges in, in that realism and how close you know, could you get to the realistic kind of suits that astronauts might wear? Yeah. Um, well, that was, you know, that was definitely the thing. I mean, you know, that, that, you know, almost every other aspect of gravity, you could sort of be like, well, you know, we, you know, the audience at some level knows, you know, hopefully that, you know, well, you couldn't really be in space to shoot this. Okay. There might be some elements, but ultimately it's sort of, it's a constructed image, but somehow an actor seeing an actor's face in a suit like that, you know, you, right from the beginning Alfonso and his producers and, and everybody was just like this is this is this, nobody can question this and that was the real you know how do we how do we how do we create something that essentially you know people kind of ignore <laughs> and that was um and that was huge you know obviously for and and it was a huge team of 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 people and on the other thing from from the cloth sim side of course is you're talking about something where you know there are so many layers between between what you actually, you know, what you ultimately see and and what the actor's doing underneath. And we have to sort of imply, you know, all of these layers of cloth, all of the, you know, all the bodysuit that she wasn't wearing when she took off the suit. But, you know, ultimately, you know, real, you, when you watch all the videos of, 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 um, of astronauts getting into the suit, there's, there's three people there and they're all kind of... Mm adjusting and figuring and and tweaking and oh put this arm in here and holding them as they you know and it takes a long long time to to get in there and there's you know there's a very very involved process so you kind of you know in our case it's like well you know we we obviously didn't want to model all of those layers um there was no need to 
but we had to also imply that in the way the cloth was moving and sort of indicate that, you know, and the outer layer is, you know, is some, some sort of Kevlar composite, you know, thing. And, and, and I, I sort of hit up some of my old friends in the space science and uh, field to be like, can you tell me what happened? You know, what, do you, what, what, you know, what happens to cloth when it's, you know, when it's heated, what happens to cloth when it's, you know, when it's in the sun versus in the shade, you know, is there, you know, does that temperature differential do anything to the cloth that you know about, you know, and uh, to be honest, they hadn't really spent, you know, they hadn't really thought a a lot of, you know, a lot of, so it was just a lot of studying of footage of, of the, you know, IMAX footage and of all the movies and and just looking at at stuff from inside the ISS and just looking, you know, just when you look at a t-shirt when they were just, you know, the astronauts in the ISS talking on their, on their mics, you're like, that T-shirt doesn't look like a real piece of cloth. You know, well, see, I was going to raise that as an issue because, I mean, there was a great uh, astronaut, uh, you know, thing that they did, like a YouTube thing that they did to mm. post where somebody had a wet cloth and squeezed it. And, of course, all the yeah. water just stayed where the cloth was. And it was the most fake-looking piece of real action <laughs> I've ever seen. And, and of course, this is the, the inherent problem, isn't it, is that it may be absolutely accurate to zero gravity, but mm-hmm. all the things that you would normally rely on to give away cloth the way it hangs, the right. weight, <laughs> the way it falls, uh, you know, right out of the gate, you don't have any of those things at your disposal. No, absolutely. And, and that was, you know, that was something, again, that, that you know, I, we obsessed about, um, you know, looking at T-shirts. Like I say, T-shirt is always the, you know, it's the, it's the base material for, for a lot of cloth tests, even if the final thing you're simming isn't, isn't, isn't a cotton T-shirt, but it's sort of, you know, it's where you start from. And and you looked at these these cotton T-shirts, and you sort of come to realize just how much our models that we you know that we currently have just don't you know don't model that sort of that internal friction of the of the weave you know that, that in the absence of other forces in the absence of gravity and you know and and wind and other things it just it, it does sort of settle into a fairly kind of kind of stiff configuration almost that doesn't naturally want to move that much. And, and our cloth models in general, you know, are, you know, they're by definition, they're pretty dynamic. They want to move. They want to do, you know, they're sort of fairly springy, no matter how much you stiff you make them. They're, they're kind of springy and elastic. And, 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 uh, you know, that's one of those areas I'm really, you know, that, that I would love to see us move, push forward on, um, sort of new ways of, of, you know, of, um, new types of cloth engines, new types of cloth solvers. But, but for gravity, at least, you know, what we, um, what we ended up doing was uh, basically, um, you know, because the cloth doesn't move very much, you know, you don't see a lot of wrinkling as such. You don't, it just had to, it just had to move just enough to obviously sell what was happening to, to, the, to the actors in the suits, but not, um, but, you know, not move too, but not move, you know, excessively. Um, so we sort of broke it down into component pieces. So, for instance, the elbows that are extremely wrinkled, we essentially ran a very high resolution pre-solve on those and baked that into the rig because it's just, you know, the one degree of motion on the elbow and, and the same on the knees. So we ran sort of some pretty high res um, wrinkle uh, uh, sim passes on those and baked baked that in. And then for, you know, areas that we did sim in, in most shots, um, we went through a sort of fairly lengthy development process on the, on the shoulders, for instance. And we had to obviously sim on these incredibly long shots. So, so we needed something that was incredibly efficient, quite low res, much lower maybe than, 
than I was, you know, initially comfortable with. I, I was sort of my my philosophy was always, you know, higher, higher, higher res. You know, will get us something that looks better, faster, um, even if it takes longer to sim. If you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, but we ended up with something quite quite low res um, that that um, that uh, that we developed, and he and our um, our main uh, artist on the shoulders, Andrea Arginenti, he basically he sort of we were just really careful about where we put the topology, so that you know where you know Alfonso or Tim were like, well, you know, I'd expect there to be a wrinkle there, or I'd expect this to move. We would sort of individually go in there and be like, okay, let's put let's put a line of you know let's put a line of um, an edge of polys right down that down that line that they want to see move, you know. So you almost you're getting down to very kind of individually art directing certain wrinkles in certain places, and uh, so we kind of didn't put any more detail in there than we had to. Now, and, um, I, yeah. I obviously am keen to talk to you about this in terms of costume design, but could sure. I compare and contrast? Because I was sitting in the audience at the VES when uh, you guys won for the uh, yeah. best FX yeah. simulation. For gravity parachute ISS destruction, sure. and uh, so congratulations on that. <laughs> but but uh, I wanted to compare and contrast the approach that you used for the shoot because that was a piece of material that was moving yeah. a lot. That is something that you know we got to see being pulled and stretched and moved yeah. around. Although obviously in zero gravity, were the approaches right. for that parachute dramatically different to the approaches for the costume-based sim designs? Yes, it was, and and um, you know, I I just want to you know the person who sort of oversaw the overall Sims and and specifically the parachute who uh, was Sylvain Ducot, so that was that was not I was not you know involved di directly in the in the parachute stuff. So, but basically the parachute was um, uh, pretty much I think the highest resolution Sim I think we've that I had certainly ever seen piece of cloth. Um, I'm trying to think if it was. Half a million polys. Um, I could be mis. I'd hopefully I'm not saying the wrong thing there. But but basically, what ended up happening was that there was a a relatively low res pass of the of the parachute that sort of because it had to be also it had to be quite specifically posed from a story perspective. Hmm. In you know in in the shots, it, you know it needed to, and they obviously wanted to you know make sure that the audience was aware, you know, because it was never, you know, she never sort of said, oh my goodness, there's this parachute that I need to go out and detach, you know, it was sort of, a, it was sort of told very visually. So, so the parachute position, and you couldn't necessarily, you know, you couldn't sim something that was that heavy into place. So it was posed and it was simmed as a sort of a low res, relatively low res cage. And the first pass was simmed. So you got the kind of the gross motion. And then there was a, a higher res, much than the, you know, the highest res pass to get all of the fine detail and all of the wrinkles and all of the extra sort of, you know, goodies was simmed on top of that. Um, afterwards. When you say the goodies um, on top of that, you're talking about the ropes and the cable type things? Yeah, the ropes. I I I want to say that the ropes were simmed as part of the low res pass as well. But like I say, some of those details I'm, I might be I I don't want to I might be getting wrong, so I apologize. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean basically there was there was it was a two pass process and and the ropes. I mean the, the ropes obviously were in both passes. Now, but exactly whether they also had a sweetening pass on top afterwards, I don't. I don't know. Um, now, but the, at the yeah. VES, four of you got up to accept for that award, or there were four. You know, 
four winners as well. Yeah, unfortunately yeah, yeah, one of us couldn't be there. Yeah. But the team uh, at Gravity that was doing the cloth sim and also mm-hmm. this particular section we're talking about with the parachute, how big is that yeah. team? So between basically the, the sim team was, was sort of split into, into three distinct groups. One was um, the suits. Um, one was the tethers. So all of the, you know, all the tethers between Sandra and, and, and George and, and then also later when she's pulling out, you know, she's, she's pulling the, I'm trying to hunk, unhook the tether that she, um, or she's, uh, sorry, she's tethered to the ISS that she's trying to unhook the parachute, you know, and, um, and then, and then the parachute team. So between those three teams, um, there are 30 people, um, in total, which, which is for a show of this size and complexity is, is, you know, either average or maybe even a bit on the small, smaller side for, I'd say for, for a show of this, you know, these days anyway. So if I was putting together a team, or you're putting together a team for me, say, yeah. uh, to do uh, digital costumes where we have two characters that are going to either be detailed in digital doubled or, or just need mm. to be fully simmed, like how big a team do you want? And are any of those people going to be um, people that are coming primarily from a tailoring background today? Or do you see that happening in the future? Right now, um, you know, other than people's sort of personal interests where, you know, you do get people on the team and that was, that was actually, that was a cool thing on Gravity. We did have a couple of people who in their spare time were very much sort of, you know, doing their own costumes and, and clothes and things. And, and we looked at a lot of artwork books as well. There was, you know, about, you know, there's been a lot of great artwork about drawing fabrics and folds. And, and that was actually great to sort of, you know, help us visualize you know, things, but, um, right. You know, nobody's coming explicitly from the tailoring. There is still no path that I'm aware of of somebody going, you know, I feel like, again, like we're right on that cusp where some, we're going to get some student who's a fashion student, but also, or a fashion, you know, artist who's, who, who has, you know, who sees the, the crossover potential and comes into CG that way or, or vice versa, people going out to the, to the industry. Um, so far, I feel like you know the, the the crossover sort of right on that sort of technical level, and then and then there's a kind of a hobby area. But so far, you know, there's still not the sort of the dialogue between the two, you know, formally or informally, that I would love to see. Um, so definitely in the future, I mean, it, it has to happen. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the size of the team, I mean, it's it's such a it's a you know to be honest, because obviously you know when I'm talking about you know, all the stuff we were doing, obviously a lot of it was handing stuff to modeling and they were, you know, sure. the modeling was a separate team and they were, you know, they had, we, we provided some tools for them to do some sort of low grade sims on their, on the stuff afterwards as well, you know, because they could do so much more sculpting. They had so many more tools that, that, you know, we didn't, you know, didn't have. And then obviously that was, you know, was in concert with rigging as well. So, so, you know, it's, it's a tough one for me. You know, I would love to have somebody who, you know, is, is from the tailoring background, who's, you know, comfortable with the modeling tools, who's comfortable with the cloth tools and with whom you could sort of, you know, sit there and, and really kind of work out a piece of, you know, a costume. Um, but I feel like we're still, the tools aren't quite there yet, you know, either. And I would love to see, you know, that, that day is coming, I hope, you know, within a, within a couple of years, but, but, you know, that to me is, is really where I'd love to, you know, have that one person who can, you really sort of design this piece of clothing with. And, um, and actually that was something George, you know, going way back, George Lucas would talk a lot about when we showed him Sims of Yoda and stuff, he would talk about, you know, he wouldn't talk about the Sims. He would talk about, 
you know, well, you know, costume designers, they weight the, the hems of the clothing so that, you know, and the cloaks, so they move a certain way. And so you sort of start to see that, you know, that, you know, they are, you know, we, they're doing it their way and we're doing it ours. You know, there, there, there are so many similarities. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, but I'm going to stick my neck out here for, and, and you'll see why in a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mm-hmm. risk massive ridicule because um, we're sitting around at SIDGRAPH talking to some very senior uh, supervisors and, and, um, and the issue of the TV show Project Runway came up and okay. a number of people that you would never expect to think that this... Uh, do you know the show I'm referring to in, in America? It's like a I do, but I've thing. never watched that, to okay. be honest. So I think Tim Gunn or something. Yeah, exactly. The reason yeah, okay. why it came up, and, and, and this will make sense in a second, I promise you, <laughs> is that people were saying that they liked the show, but they, the reason they liked it is that the premise of the show is that a number of contestants are given the same budget, the same amount of time, and yeah. yet when it comes push comes to shove at the end, you'll notice that a number of people will produce stuff that looks really expensive, that looks like it has amazing, what we would call production value, while others right. who had the same amount of time and the same amount of everything else going, everything else, same equipment, same everything, same opportunities, just come yeah. up with stuff that looks cheap and nasty. And and and, uh, and it isn't just on skill. It becomes immediately apparent that it's on selection of materials, of how mm-hmm. it's contrasted, sort of how it's done. And it mm-hmm. struck us that there were tremendous parallels between this weird fashion show and mm. the VFX industry in that, you know, again, you can be given the same amount of resources and some people can come up with stuff that really adds production value mm-hmm. and others can't. And I'm wondering how artistic you feel we are in digital costumes at the moment um, in that there can be uh, an allocation of resources that one team or one individual can really make sing in terms of, you know, nailing it. And, and, and I mean, from an artistic point of view, does that make sense? It does. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I guess it's it's one of those exciting areas that you just. I feel like we're we're just stepping into. I really do feel like it's. It, and you know, it's almost like you don't know until we, you know, we take a, a leap on that. You know, that fashion student person who, you know, shows us something that you're like, well, let's see what happens. You know, let's let's see what they can do. Or, you know, one of us sort of goes off to, you know do that sabbatical in pattern making and then suddenly finds, oh my goodness, you know, I'm coming back to this, this thing and I hope with a whole new light. Um, and, um, and, and that sort of, uh, to me, it's, it's all, it's all open for, for that invention right now, but I couldn't tell you, you know, I couldn't tell you what that, you know, what that is. You know what I mean? I can't right. say, well, all we need is a bunch more of these people or these kinds of skills and, and that we'll find it, you know, it'll be there. <laughs> um, it does It does seem, though, that if we are, as we started the discussion, getting these great tools uh, coming through that are allowing people that aren't necessarily from our industry to mm-hmm. be involved in basically using digital tailoring tools um, mm-hmm. and... And I'm going to, you know, swing back on Marvelous Designer again. This is a really good example that we could see somebody cross over from a design background who really only knew about this stuff from a something like Marvelous Designer and allow them right. to come through. But it does seem that um, it's an area that is wide open for the right project, allowing the right artist to nail it, not through the bigger computer, not through the bigger sim. But just sure. through uh, through taste, really. I I agree, but I do think that there's there's sort of a, it go, there's a hand in hand thing. One is one is a perspective and a workflow and, a, and an art aspect, but another is the technical. And I think you know at least 
to the extent that I'm have you know a bit more experience on the you know on the technical side, and um, I do feel like our you know it's like even if we have that person and we have those those you know that those new workflows that sort of marvelous designer is pointing the way towards. I think the underlying cloth models that we're using to, to represent different fabrics are, you know, are a little bit, uh, you know, and again, I'm not trying to be down on any particular tool or any particular, you know, thing here. It's not, you know, I haven't, you know, maybe somebody's figured it out and I haven't seen it yet, but, but things like, you know, a cloth solver that really gets internal friction right, that properly represents the way that cloth buckles and and the properly can you know give you a sense of thickness the way you know you 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 know your cloth is a is a is a is a thing of thickness that traps air against your body or and against you know or with the environment the way it interacts with the air or the way that you know that the cloth you know the friction between a piece of cloth and a, and a body the way it sort of the hairs and everything the static friction that that naturally creates to me you know all of the artistry in the world can't necessarily make up for the fact that I think, you know, we're still, we're still trying to get there with some of the technical issues. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And to reinforce that point, the other one we haven't mentioned a lot, but I'd be interested in your perspective is let's say that you've got that solved just for argument's sake. I know we haven't, but imagine we did. Um, It's still incredibly important how these things are rendered. Do you feel that the rendering side of things is doing justice to the cloth has re is like sort of physically based uh physically plausible shading and lighting has that given you something where you feel more comfortable that your work is going to go through and look realistic or is there still work to be done in getting realism at the render stage no i mean i have to say i think um you know i, I haven't mentioned it but it's obviously a huge huge element of you know of of, of selling anything you know and um and I do think that the cloth has taken it, you know, a massive leap forward in in um, in the last few years, you know. But I mean, even again, I mean, this is now going way back, not not so, you know. But thinking about just if you look at Yoda between episode two and episode three, you know, I'd argue episode three, he just he looks so much more more realistic, and and a huge part of that was just you know there was a real attention paid to his um his clothing in episode three how it looked how it rendered and sort of getting these sort of little cloth pills you know little little bits of uh, fabric and whatever that sort of that break up the edge of the clothing and the fabric and visually just sort of made it feel like a like a real piece of you know real piece of of cloth and then obviously you know you add to that now almost 10 years of of you know of, of rendering technology and 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 physically based lighting and all that stuff and and you know you get to something that's that, that's you know that that's pretty great so yeah i mean i feel like on the on the i mean like anything there's always there's always things that could be done there's always better you know ways to to represent a weave of a fabric and and sort of really get the way that you know the spec breaks up along you know the real detail of a of a of a cloth and and all of the many imperfections on a on a on an item of clothing, even the smoothest, that that you know that we can always be pushing forward. But I do feel like the rendering has taken a huge leap forward. And now, you know, I would love for the for everything else to kind of you know catch up a little bit. Can Can you talk to me about the uh, the way that you work with the creative team? Um, now I've been on mm-hmm. sets and we've had you know bull clips holding costumes at the back and gaffer tape down people's jackets and stuff to make things sit right. 
Um, but you can go so much further. And there's that famous uh, review of George Lucas, I think, looking at your shot where he says, I want the romantic version rather than the reality yeah. version. Um, <laughs> you know, do directors, you know, they have the flexibility to impose a non-realistic fabric movement because, hey, mm-hmm. you, can, you can beat gravity. Mm-hmm. Is there... Um, is there a trend to, or anything that you could sort of generalize about in terms of people's approach to this? Is it a, are they welcoming the opportunity to do weird things or is it more like what everyone's so desperate for is just realism that uh, that's what the goal is? That's an interesting question. I mean, you know, it's funny when you say, well, we can go so much further and the, you know, the gaffer tape and the clips, but it's amazing how difficult, you know, representing gaffer tape and clips is actually in real life, you know, because you look on set and you look at, you know, we, we obviously spend a lot of hours looking at reference footage from, from, you know, of actors standing there, you know, doing either workout tests or just sitting on set. And then in between takes, you know, an army of people will come out and adjust the hem of this and the side of that and the, the way the, the hood is falling. And we go, well, how are we supposed to do that? You know, we can't, <laughs> you know, so it's actually not as simple as, as it may seem. You know, yes, when things are moving, you know, and, and I sometimes joke, you know, people say, well, the hardest shot in this film is where the character's sort of leaping around and they're grabbing this thing and it's going to jump up. And I said, that's going to be the easiest shot in the movie. You know, that's going to be the fun shot with, you know, all the dynamics. And yes, it's, you know, you, you, you want to, you want the flow of the fabric through the shot to sort of help sell the character's motion because it becomes, a, again, a part of the performance. And it's fun to be able to sort of help describe the character's motion through the air. You know, it's almost, it does become an art directed, an art direct element in the shot and I was just watching I haven't seen the whole of Frozen but I've been watching on loop the let it go uh, song <laughs> where she's you know as she changes her costume and, and as she's moving through the you know through the snow and it's just it's fantastic because it's telling you something about her um, you know it's all the, the way her costume moves and, and it's all about you know really enhances her performance um, but you know the difficult stuff is you know the characters just sitting not doing much talking you know emoting performing where the cloth isn't doesn't have to do much and on set you know things are pinned and and whatever and they, yeah, the know, amount so of that, double-sided tape that's stuck inside uh, costumes is yeah 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 exactly yeah well exactly and so that's um but to um and i was just asked after a gross generalization but i was just wondering whether in your experience it's been an uh, that the aim has been for realism or it's right. well, finally now I can get fabric to do stuff that it wouldn't otherwise do. I mean, a, a classic example is, you know, that fabric does tend to fall down. Lifting it up during a twirl type thing is easier, right. harder than it sounds. And yet you can defy gravity and just reduce the gravity and make things sure. lift up more. No, absolutely. And, and you know, and that was, uh, I mean... Obviously, on the, on the movie Gravity, you know, that w- there was none of that. You know, there was none yeah. of this sort of... Um, and there were, I mean, there were a couple of times, you know, the tethers had more of a directable, you know, were, were much more of a directable thing that, that Alfonso wanted. Um, but in terms of the suits, it was just, you know, does it look real? Does it draw my eye? You know, does it, you know, does it detract, you know, because the suits, it's like, okay, what's happening on their faces, what's happening in their performance. And, you know, so that was just about making it look real. And obviously that's, I think that for any sort of effect simulation, that, that is the starting point. You want to be like, okay, let's make sure that our mass is correct. Let's make sure that our forces are correct. Let's make sure that we're simming in the right scale. Let's make sure that all the forces that we think should be acting on this are acting on this. And let's, let, that's our, that's what we present and go, all right, now what, you know, now where do we take it? And, and I think that's, that's, that is the fun of it, you know, and, 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 you know, we, I mean, 
but then even things like there's a, there's a there are moments when cloth falls that you know as as a cloak is sort of fallen on the ground it'll you know it catches that pocket of air and that that air will dissipate somehow and it'll sort of billow yeah and trying to represent that in in cg cloth is is an is an you know is a more is a more sort of artistic exercise than it is a technical one right now and but it's fun because you know it becomes one of those things that you just want to sell the you know you want to sell the way the air is sort of billowing around this character as they move and and getting that and and i don't think other than you know i don't think yet that directors have i mean i haven't worked in feature animation so it is entirely possible in feature animation they're they're much more aware of this at least like i said i was thinking about this frozen thing and i was thinking well somebody had to have been directing this cloth to do what it's doing because it's just mm. there's too much going on there um for it to be accidental or, or just you know um but at least in live action i find that for the most part the cloth um it doesn't uh, i'm again episode Star Wars accepted where there, you know George was kind of directing us quite a bit um generally uh directors aren't thinking about you know what the cloth can do cg wise you know they obviously because they're seeing it as an you know they they're dealing with the animation and the animation performance so that's where it has to get you know whatever the characters are doing has to go get sold there although having said all that you know Alfonso in in uh in um Prisoner of Azkaban I mean you know he direct I I didn't work on it but I was at ILM while, while my friends were, were, you know, doing the Dementors and, you know, their cloaks were a part of the character of, of those Dementors. Mm. And he was, you know, he was directing like how it, how those, the cloaks of the Dementors would move through the cabin of the train and snake and snake around and stuff. And that was actually exciting to see as well, the way, you know, the way, the way, the way they were doing that. As I was preparing for our chat, I happened to mm. uh, watch uh, Catching Fire, um, The Hunger Games. Mm. And in that, uh, there's a sequence where she, the actress has to wear a digital dress because it has to catch fire and uh, transform into a dress that becomes mm-hmm. a Mockingjay thing. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I started to ponder that. And I thought, you know, if, I wonder how likely it is that X number of years from now, you'll have an actress that has to run into a ballroom sequence. And because there's only one or two shots of her, it's just dictated to that we don't want to make the costume choices yet let's uh wait and see how it works in post and she runs in in a kind of a leotard and then we just stick on a digital costumes in post because let's face it it's cheaper than getting this huge one made up she's not going to fall over running in a long trail if it's not there and you know the guys will do it in post and it seems absurd and then i thought well you know in mocking jay she must have done something similar uh, i know you didn't work on that film but do you want to run the clock forward in your mind do you think that that'll happen I mean that 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 makes I hadn't uh, considered that, but uh, I mean that's essentially you know that again from a uh, for with a very different creative goal in mind. I mean, but that's exactly what we were doing. What we were doing in in Gravity, <laughs> um, you know, was you know putting these costumes around actors that weren't wearing them, and and it's still you know people can't quite wrap their heads around that um, sometimes. Um, but um, yeah, I mean that that uh, I can I can totally see that that makes um, you know I mean it's. Do you want her in the white dress or the blue one? Well, we'll worry about it in post. Just have a run yeah. down the staircase now, and uh, and uh, we'll get the guys at uh, Framestore to just stick on a, a ballroom gown later. It'll be much cheaper. They'll get one yeah. from the digital costume department. No, absolutely. Because, you see, the thing about it is that um, we, we're not obviously at that point yet. I mean, it's a huge amount of work just to do the, the object tracking on a body, yet alone to be able to make it perform. Uh-huh. 
But then again, there are two other things that are kind of would rear their head on that. Firstly, you know, you could easily go from a size 14 to a size 12 or a size 10 if, right. if it's being added in post. And then, I mean, I can't imagine that the uh, the amount of work and the lead time on a on a ballroom gown is uh, insignificant. And so consequently, it's not like there's no, uh, you know, requirement for it. Now, I'm sure the actor would love to have the ballroom gown uh, done for her performance. But in the case of uh, what you did in Gravity, you weren't doing it because the director couldn't make a decision. You weren't doing it because the director wanted to be able to pick between the blue spacesuit and the white one. You did it because it had to perform in a way that they couldn't otherwise do. And, and it was obviously a lot of work. But, right. you, you know, Moore's Law should make that a process that improves over time. I mean, there's no inherent technical limit that we've discussed that doesn't sound like something a great series of R&D engineers couldn't solve over time, is there? Absolutely. No, and, 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 you know, we're so close to it. That's the thing. I mean, you know, I, I just, as you're talking, I was thinking about, you know, how many, how many digi-double shots have we done where, you know, it's the actor's head on an otherwise, you know, CG body, and, and we're just putting digital clothing on some or all of what they're doing, and it just, you know, happens to be something that matches what they're wearing in the plate because that's, you know, that's what we needed to do uh, or what they were wearing on the shot before and after. But, you know, the notion that that's what it has to be is obviously, you know, it's it's arbitrary. Um, and, you know, when I tell people, well, Sandra never actually, you know, they made for the production of Gravity, they made one production suit for George for the for the scene where he comes back into the capsule. Spoilers, everyone. Um and, uh, and, you know, that was just, you know, uh, I have to be, you know, honest, they, they, nobody loved that suit. You know, it was one of those things that they built it. And obviously it was a lot of very, you know, it was well, well direct, you know, it was directed and built and everything. But once it was, you know, once we were into the, the actual sort of the, the suits building process, it was like, well, let's not necessarily use, you know, that's what we did. Let's, let's, you know, that's a reference point, but it's not one we want to necessarily copy as such. Um, but Sandra never had a, a NASA suit made for her. You know, she never a production suit um, uh, in reality. So, and then the Russian suit she wore was just the one that you know she wore, and you only saw it uh, inside the capsule. Um, and um, and then everything else was was CG. You know, for the so she had it only on in the interiors. And that was, you know, that was a nice, that was an exciting one to do because, because she, you know, it wasn't, we couldn't break it into its component parts the same way as, as the necessary. It had to be kind of, it was an all, all or nothing, um, sim, which we ended up doing some, some layers on, which was, which was really, um, which was fun to do as well to try and simulate all the pressurization and everything. So, so, you know, um, you know, from there to, to, you know, I mean, you know, we're all constantly sort of, you know, modifying the images of the actors to to conform to, you know, the 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 silhouette that looks, you know, that tells the story the best, you know, whether it's and and obviously a lot of that is, okay, well then we need to put a clothes, you know, we we transition from a uh, live action to CG, you know, we're transitioning from live action to mm -hmm. CG clothing all the time in in so many films these days. It's you do it so often you don't even think about it, you know. It's not a it's not something that people, other than you know okay, well, how much development time is going to be to build this suit but, or this costume or whatever. But that's, you know, the notion that, well, can we do it? Of course, well, of course we can. You know, it's, it's, not, a, it's not even a question now. Um, so, so, you know, I think today we could do that ballroom gag that you're talking about. Um, you know, um, now, 
exactly how cost effective it would be is is the is probably the issue but like you say moore's law it'll get very you know it won't get very cheap but it'll certainly get before you know it'll be one of those things that you go well building you know because sometimes people say why didn't they just make a physical suit you know how long did it take you to make these space suits and you go yeah well you know obviously it was you know, obviously it was much cheaper in the end for us to, to to build these suits in CG than it would have been for them to build these production suits that would have then looked the way that, you know, Alfonso would have wanted them to look or that would have performed the way that we needed them to perform. And, and, well, certainly you know, in the look- case of Gravity, to perform for that long over such a long shot um, and, uh, and never, you know, look wrong. Um, right, right, let's exactly. Let's face it, it's, uh, it's, uh, it was those very, very long shots translate to very very long sims but if it, without the sims uh, in live action you know the probability that things are going to hold up the whole way through and not do something weird not require yeah, a exactly. patch anyway um and and then there's the whole rigging issue right because of the gravity like uh cabling and that terrific well, exactly, of being, yeah. you feel like somebody's hanging off their hips and their their uh, center of, of gravity is wrong as they their body parts move because it doesn't change with the the rigging of the suit doesn't change to marry the center of gravity shifts as they right as they move. But I mean, I think you guys obviously did a sensational job um, in gravity, but I guess also this phone call, this, this interview, we were, we, we've been uh, biased heavily to this idea of digital costumes and Mm. and in particular uh, where it's going Um, and cost effectiveness. You know, I I think that's something that's always going to be, there will be reasons why it works and there will be reasons why it won't. There'll be reasons why directors will love it. And there'll be reasons why directors still want to shoot on film and, and want to have real costumes. And Mm -hmm. the last thing on earth they want is somebody in a, (coughs) in a leotard as opposed to a a ballroom gown. Um, But uh, it is interesting. And and I'm going to finish out the, the, the interviewer just by asking you, I guess, it is yep. interesting, this whole idea of this costume design. If somebody's listening to this or has an interest in this area, clearly the TD kind of cloth sim route is one that most of us would feel comfortable in understanding how you could get down that route. But are there any other tips for people that are getting into this area that that we haven't touched on that you think might be for somebody uh, perhaps earlier in their career who would like to follow in in uh, a path that you've done down? Well, I mean, the the area, you know, obviously I've talked to, obviously we've, we focus very specifically on costumes and clothing, but obviously this, this whole area, you know, encompasses what people call creature effects. And you guys have done great stories on, you know, on, um, on the muscle and, and, you know, the, the sort of the physically based, uh, uh, approaches that people have been taking towards, um, you know, muscle systems and, 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 um, and skin and fat and all that kind of stuff, fur, which, which we're doing right now. Um, very heavily you know and so the work of a sort of a you know i i i really you know i you know as a as a creature effects artist you have to do right these days you have to have a little bit of all of the knowledge and 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 understanding of all of those things and and it sort of to me it's one of the areas that that encompasses sort of the most uh, the most um range of of disciplines from from sort of anatomy you know skeletal structure anatomy um physics you know, volumetrics, um, you know, obviously then fabrics, cloth, you know, artistic direction. So, so for me, it's, I think it's one of the most exciting areas of, of CG. Um, that's the reason why I've sort of found myself, you know, coming back to it and then going, no, this is, this is where I want to spend my, my time as a, as a VFX artist. And so, you know, for people getting into it, I think, you know, because sometimes CFX can sometimes be, you know, it's sort of animation, people can understand animation and, and lighting, it's sort of, you know, one of those areas. And, and sort of CFX artists, you know, 
uh, you know, if anybody has, you know, finds themselves sort of interested in, in, um, you know, in, in anatomy, in motion, in, in, in that sort of intersection of art and physics, I feel like it's one of the, one of the places where there's, there's so much exciting work going on. Um, that that's where I would say, you know, students should, should think about more, you know, and, and obviously, you know, that's covered a lot by rigging and, and that's, that's the one avenue that people come into and rigging is, is an art unto, it, unto itself, mm. um, which, you know, which, which we could talk about forever, but, but, um, but specifically, you know, where it goes into these areas where you go, okay, here is a system, here is a dynamic system. And we want to, you know, it's a directed system. It's a, we can, you know, it's, it's, there are constraints on it, but ultimately it's, it's sort of an exciting thing because it, it is, you know, I like the, the simulation aspect of it, you know, of, of sort of saying, okay, let's set up some initial conditions and then let's hit go and see what happens. And, um, and then, and tweak it from there. And so for me, it sort of brings in, you know, everything from, people who are interested in the hardcore maths of it to people who are sitting there sort of drawing wrinkles and fabrics and building their own, their own cloth. And so, and so I would sort of say, you know, if, if maybe if you're, you know, a CG artist who feels like, well, I don't fit into being an animator and I like rigging, but you know, that maybe it's not quite what I want to do, or, you know, I'm not really a lighter as such, you know, maybe, maybe nobody's even presented to them the idea that, well, there's this whole area called creature effects, which is really, a, you know, quite an incredible discipline that, you know, maybe they hadn't considered as much, you know, that, that people sort of look into that essentially and, and, um, and, get, and you know, get, get interested. <laughs> well, look, it's been terrific talking with you and uh, thanks so much for reaching out in the first place. Uh, no, and thank again, you, Mike reiterate this point that I think that uh, I, I often said I think effects artists had enormous production value but in the area of uh, creature work I think this whole area of treating the cloth sim as uh, costume design is exactly mm-hmm. the way we need to go as an industry I look forward to the first uh, category of uh, the Oscars uh, featuring yeah. uh, you know uh, some digital work I hope that that's with your name on it and, yeah, <laughs> and when well, that happens that. we'll get you to come back and we can talk some well, more but. I appreciate that and we'll, we'll be having arguments over the it'll be the you know well who did the cinematography awards the best cinematography will have all those same arguments all over again about costumes I see no reason why that won't be exactly what happens <laughs> <laughs> alright thanks so much Mike great talking to you thank you well, thanks, guys. A very interesting discussion. I've actually been following Juan Luis on Twitter for quite a bit now, and I really love an art project he started a while back to send a postcard a day to anyone who asked. His website to date says he sent over 500 postcards, and he documents them all. So if you go to Google and search on Postcard Walla, you can read all about it, and sign, you'll find his page, and then you can read all about it and sign up to the Facebook page where he posts them. Uh, it's a very, very fun little project. I don't think I've mentioned the FX Insider program in a while. The FX Insider is our membership program that offers exclusive access to content and expanded articles. It's a way for people that care about visual effects and the work that we do here at FX Guide to help us continue what we do. You can find out all the information over at fxguide.com. Click the FX Insider tab. That'll do it for this episode. For my partners, Mike Seymour and John Montgomery, I'm Jeff Huser. We'll see you on the next FX Podcast. Please let us know if you have any suggestions for stories or future podcasts. You can reach us by clicking the Contact Us link at the top of the homepage. This podcast is copyright FX Guide LLC. Broadcast or redistribution is prohibited without the expressed written consent of FX Guide.